Welcome to Coffee Time Chats with Jane Watson, Dr. Mary Pearson, and the John F. Wood Center. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. My name is Oliver, and I'm a peer helper with the John F. Wood Center, and today I'm joined by Jane Watson and Dr. Mary Pearson. Jane is currently a business director at ArtMed, which is a cosmetic medicinal business situated in Guelph. Jane has also previously held the position as an instructor in marketing at the School of Media and Design at Conestoga College. Jane also has a background in small and large business administration, property management, and managing her own professional career as an actress. Jane also holds a master's degree in performance from Birmingham University in New York and an honors degree in the arts from the University of Toronto. Dr. Mary Pearson is co-owner and medicinal director of ArtMed. Mary also has an undergraduate degree and an honors degree in biology from the Wilfrid Laurier University in Waterloo. Mary also worked for many years in family medicine throughout Ontario and for several decades in the area of public health, infectious disease, addiction medicine, adolescent health, and women's health. First of all, Jane and Dr. Pearson, I would like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy days to have this conversation with me. And so, yeah, thank you. And so just diving into some very open-ended questions, I'd first like to ask you to uh, what was your inspiration behind starting this business? I'll jump in at that one. And Mary, you can touch, uh, jump in there. I think it's actually really important to mention that we're sisters because I don't think that's actually been mentioned first. And so this is a family business as well. So a lot of the um, background in our family was in business. Uh, there were family businesses on both sides. So it was something that was very much in our DNA, you know, our our. our Families uh, had long-standing businesses in Kitchen Waterloo. So, um, and I know Mary, of course, dabbled in business uh, before ArtMed, and I, as an independent performer, had my own kind of business as well. But we each kind of went into our public fields of Mary in medicine and me in teaching. Um, but opportunity presented itself, and uh, we've um, discovered that we had compatible skill sets. Um, you know, where I tend to stop, Mary tends to start. Um, so there tends to be a, 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 this strong collaborative ability. Um, and, uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, I think for us, it was, there was a lot of serendipity. I was at a point in my career, Mary was at a point in her career, we were both looking for a change and an opportunity presented itself uh, to Mary and Mary reached out to me. And, you know, it was, uh, it was an easy decision to be honest. Um, I had no qualms about jumping into business with Mary and I also felt like uh, it was really timely, uh, more timely than honestly I had realized because it was actually a couple of years after that we had a number of people come up to us going, wow, you guys jumped into this business at the right time. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I guess we did. What do you think, Mary? Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because Jane, of course, as you mentioned, Oliver comes from a background in education. And of course, I've practiced medicine for a number of decades. And it's interesting because those careers typically are um, institutional based sometimes. Um, and in medicine, although we are entrepreneurial in the sense that we may own our own practice, it still tends to be fairly um, um, through the lens of other institutions, hospitals and places like that, that you work. So 
when you work in education and healthcare, it, it is it can be constraining sometimes uh, in terms of your ideas and your innovative ideas. It's difficult to get those out sometimes. So when we, when this opportunity came up, um, as Jane said, because we are from an entrepreneurial background, um, it seemed a, a very good opportunity to sort of you know hold your own role. To, to be in charge of your career and to be uh, in a position to make decisions and um, uh, yeah, to, to, to feel in control a little bit of your, of your workplace and uh, the environment that you create in your workplace and how you serve your clients or patients in this case. Yeah, we were both craving autonomy. You know, mm -hmm. I was working at um, Conestoga College and had some challenges with, again, the constraints of with which I was expected to operate. And, um, and you know, and Mary's absolutely right. These institutions kind of hem you in and, and say, this is how it must be done. And we really wanted to forge ahead, create our own, our own thing, uh, our own place where we could exercise our skills that we learned over decades of practice and, and create something new. Yeah, that is the beauty of entrepreneurship is that um, it's sink or swim, yes. You fail just as easily as you succeed, but you do have more um, freedom to fail. Yeah, more independence, more agency uh, over yourself, which is it can be both scary but also very rewarding. For sure, that was a very informative answer. Thank you very much for that. And that kind of you guys both uh, touched upon my next question, what was, it was along the lines of what do you find unique about this, this kind of entrepreneurship, the medicinal entrepreneurship and cosmetics in, uh, in, uh, in specific. So if you guys could just maybe touch a little more upon that, that would be awesome. Um, well, I could take it from a business point of view. And then I think Mary could talk about it from a medical point of view. I would say that um, from a business point of view, there, it is a very niche industry. Um, there is uh, a lot of regulation and oversight that's required uh, in our industry because it is, um, a, we are a medical clinic, you know, uh, run by a physician. Um, and as a result, we are, you know, have to follow the rules and regulations with that. And at the same time, we're also a business serving clients. Um, so it is different than your typical doctor's office um, because we're dealing with retail products. We're dealing with um, services that are, you know, private. We're not covered by OHIP, right? So these are private choices people are making. Um, and so we have to make sure we are competitive. Uh, we're marketing ourselves. And at the same time, like I said, with this constant eye on oversight and um, making sure that, you know, the, this world is, uh, and our particular niche is exploding. Like the, the industry itself that we're in has expanded dramatically over the last 10 years. And kind of, we hopped on it about seven years ago now. And uh, to kind of ride this change of, you know, development in the industry. And it, it has been challenging because there are all kinds of um, players out there that are doing things in a way that are different and unusual and we kind of go, well, we, we don't really want to be that. You don't want to be that. There's no real perfect role model, right? We were really do feel like we're kind of creating um, our own thing um, to the best of our ability with, with really exceptional marketing, with real clarity. Educational component is huge um, and clarity in what we're delivering and how. Um, I know this is a little vague, but the, to be honest with you, the industry itself 
is very confusing um, in terms of how you brand yourself. Um, so we're uh, keeping in mind being competitive, marketing, education, also then keeping in mind we have to retain and educate the best of our talent that we can get out there. And when we look for talent, uh, there's a huge range of things we're looking for as well. You know, you have to be a nurse and, 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 you know, so there's a lot of challenges in the business world. Um, and we're constantly looking uh, to the outside to educate and, you know, see what's going on and then take those pieces of it and, and plant them here and, and grow. And we've, we've grown quite a lot, but there's no one exactly like us as a family partnership, um, you know, medical, cosmetic, medical clinic business. Would you say so, Mary? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky endeavor what we're in because um, it, as Jane mentioned, Aesthetic medicine is falls halfway in between regulated healthcare and purely entrepreneurial retail um, business. And so we're trying to, to walk that middle ground between those two very, very different areas. Uh, and as Jane said, this is a new industry. So there is not a lot of overarching regulation as to how this should be in, in Canada. Canada is fairly slow to regulate this industry because we have universal health care and not very much entrepreneurial health care. So in some ways, you know, Canada doesn't quite know what to do with entrepreneurial retail medicine. And so aesthetics is on the vanguard of that. We're, we're you know, on the bleeding edge of what does private retail health care look like? And the reason we can be is because this, what we do is primarily elective and therefore not uh, covered by regular OHIP covered healthcare. So we kind of are having to make the regulation or figure out our own regulatory pathway as we go, which makes for an additional level of complexity in business. Um, our particular business is unique in the sense that most aesthetic businesses, medicine businesses in the past have been tied to a dermatologist or to a plastic surgeon, and they do this on the side. It's not their main thing. It's something that they have as an add-on. And then you have this completely non-medical personal service industry that has nothing to do with healthcare regulation, but provides aesthetic services at this level. We're, we're in between in the sense that we are fully medical, like the plastic surgeons and dermatologists, fully regulated, but this is our full attention. We're not surgical. We are not practicing regular medicine as well. We are doing this. And so in that way, we are very unique and kind of forging our own way forward, which, which, is, which is interesting and exciting, but also pretty complicated. Yeah, for an example to that is that our um, laser technicians are not um, considered regulated health professionals, whereas the nurses are. Um, and so we have, uh, and we feel like the laser technicians operating class four lasers should be. Um, so we, we created medical directors for them, Mary did, to say, listen, this is the kind of ones that, that should be there. So we, we kind of go uh, where we think the industry should be, you know. Um, so we're creating more regulation within ARPMED than is currently out there because we want to be, as Mary said, on the vanguard of how this industry should be existing. Um, and it's, it's not always the best business choice. She knows that because we have this conversation 
many times where I'm going, but, but, <laughs> but it is the, it is the right choice. And we really want to be the model of how this business should be going forward because there's going to be many, many of them. And as she said, personal services over here, they're not medical, you know, they're doing facials and things that don't require physician oversight. And then there's plastic surgeons and we're right in between. And literally half of our business is laser unregulated and half of it is medical with nurses and doctors. Yeah, that, that was an amazing answer. And that kind of, again, leads me to my next question. And it's basically, I was really wondering how both of you two um, were able to bridge your unique skills and experience to really bring ArtMed to life and make it succeed. Yeah, you know what, I like a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, um, Oliver, you don't know, you don't have a game plan in the beginning, you kind of like land and, and to some extent, you try and figure it out as you go. But over time, you start to learn from things that you did wrong and things that you did right as to where your strengths and weaknesses are and what's what is going to be a smarter way forward and so we <laughs> we have learned over time that oh you know coming from education and and medical we're used to having these structures kind of in place that are very institutional based but they don't work in entrepreneurship at all so we and certainly in recent years have really had to get our you know, uh, business hats on and start to think more about governance and structure and all those businessy kinds of things, operations versus governance and all the things an entrepreneur needs to do um, and apply it to, to an industry and business that's typically doesn't run this way. I mean, yes, pharmaceutical probably does, but on the ground service-based medicine doesn't. And so trying to bring an element of that in has been tricky <laughs> um as because jane said we could go all in for that but then then you have to be careful because ultimately we are a medical facility and our top priority is the safety and care of our patients not the bottom line like that's secondary and yet we're a business so it has to also be primary it's a tricky tricky um thing to navigate we're getting better at it <laughs> yeah, I think that's the, the, the interesting part. I think for Mary and I, we both, there's been some bumps along the way because, uh, you know, Mary came from medicine, I came from education, um, and neither of us, you know, went to business school. Um, neither of us had, you know, you know, the real nitty gritty of how you'd make a business profitable, because at the end of the day, if we're not profitable, we don't survive. You know, and um, we kind of had come to that, you know, through a lot of, you know, learning and uh, experiences and, and um, trying to, to find that balancing point. I, Mary and I are 100% the same page. It is not our first mandate, uh, which is what makes this also a unique business is that most businesses first mandate is be profitable, be profitable. Whereas we're like, okay, if, if profit comes, you know, obviously we have to survive because, you know, there's nothing to do if we're business doesn't survive. So we're, you know, conscious of that, but in terms of like driving profit and that being our, five, you know, our primary focus, that, 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 that doesn't work. We certainly see models of businesses like ours out there where that is the primary objective. And it quite frankly is, um, it, it's upsetting. 
Uh, it's not something we would ever want to be. Um, that being said, like I said, there's this, this really difficult balancing point where we're like, okay, so it, it's profit's not number one. You know, care and welfare of our clients is absolutely first. Profit is second, but they both have to happen simultaneously. <laughs> and so it's been um, it's been a challenge. So for me, a lot of the the education pieces, you know, because I was uh, in education, and I a lot of it is about education with our staff. You know, um, a lot of the, the, the teaching of the, what we are and how we're doing it and um, the, the ongoing education that happens as a result of um, being in the ministry is constantly changing. Uh, there's that. I've had to myself adopt a lot of my own learning strategies because I've had to become a student myself. You know, so I've had to learn a lot more about computers. Like I'm the, I'm the girl I go to, to fix the first line problems of all the computers in the clinic. I'm like, you wouldn't have asked me to do that seven years ago, um, but I've I've learned a lot on that front. I've learned a lot in terms of Employment Standards Act. I've learned a lot in terms of law and the legalities and just in finance, things that I, I had to, um, you know, become a student of myself. Um, and I know that that's been the, the case for Mary as well. So, you know, education is ongoing for everyone, including myself. Awesome. That was, again, an, an amazing answer. And this next question is kind of purely out of curiosity, but I was wondering if you would say the family partnership of your business, considering that you and Mary are both our sisters, um, do you think that's an important factor to your customers or maybe like a selling point that you could tell them and they really appreciate it? question Oliver um it's certainly something from a marketing point of view that I have used and said you know family-owned business we don't lean on it heavily to be honest um because ArtMed is much more than just Mary and I right um ArtMed started with us but will become and continue to be much I suspect much bigger than she and I in the future uh, so it is, um, uh, I, hesitate, I hesitate to say quaint, but it is a nice quality. I think there is a fact that we're, we have a long line of family businesses um, in our history, that that's part of who we are. Um, but it is not, I think, at all. Uh, and, and, and maybe it's, it, you know, like there's those real estate teams out there that are sisters and there's you know, all kinds of businesses out there that are our sisters that is, I think, uh, sets us apart and makes us unique. Um, but it's not something I think is um, like the number one thing. Would you say so? Yeah, I think that like certainly in medicine, it's not uncommon that that uh, doctors work with family members, wives, you know, children working in their offices and stuff. So it is not uncommon in that respect. Um, in the respect of being partners, that is possibly a bit unusual in a medical field. Um, and so people are interested in that. They're, they're curious about that. Um, and there are, there are unique hurdles when you're in business with family um, because the, it bleeds over into your personal life, right? Like obviously Jane and I both live in Guelph. So, you know, if we go to a family event, it's easy for us to start talking about business because we're there together and we have to try and remember that we're sisters first, especially in the family environment. 
and business is second. So having boundaries is something that we work on. And I think people are curious about that when they find out that we're sisters, that, you know, we're, we're, what is that like for you? I think other people who are in family businesses are curious, just as we are about other yeah. family businesses. Like, how's it work for you guys? You know, what are, what are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your the problems and things that are working well? You know, because there are certainly unique things about being in business with family. And so it, it is, in that respect, is quite interesting um, talking to other family businesses. I think Jane briefly alluded to it, the idea that it's quaint. I do think people like the idea of family businesses because they see that as, um, especially in your local community, somehow that's grounding for them, that's historical, that's um, a way that business was done for a long, long, long time. So I do think it has back to, to past ways of operating. Um, and certainly some of the most famous businesses in Canada are very family driven, the Seagrams, the Eatons, you know, and so there is a romantic view yeah. about that. There's also been lots of drama like the McCain's, right? So it can also be very fractious. So, and, and that's also interesting to the public, right? So, yeah, I mean, it, and as Jane said, you know, we don't lean heavily on it in our marketing, but I know that people are curious about it for sure. Yeah, I think it engenders a certain level of trust um, because, you know, because we're family, you know, we're not going anywhere, you know, it's not, so I think there's that piece of it too. Of course, it's always nice to hear of a, a family entrepreneurship uh, resulting in something awesome like ArtMed. So it's very insightful to hear. Um, personally, I don't think I could do it with my brother. The tension. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I don't think that could happen. I'll, I'll, so. you, Oliver, if you had asked us as teenagers <clears throat> that we would be in business together, we would have both went, no, 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 no. <laughs> It's no. funny how often people say that too, Oliver. A lot of people say to us, oh man, I could never be in, in business with my sibling. There's no way. They say that all the time. It's very funny. Yeah, I mean, we were late 40s when we started this together. So it was, you know, we'd already had our kids and already been, you know, so it was, it was a yeah. different stage of our life. But yeah, I totally get it. That makes total I sense. I totally get it. And it, you know, it does help too that you've had previous and separate careers, right? So you've already had this history of as an independent person working in your own career. So, it, you know, I think it's different if you're like 25. Right? Yeah. I think there's unique challenges to that, for sure. Yeah, of course, even during this pandemic, being together with the family, <laughs> oh, the tensions are high and everything. Oh, yeah. But oh, that yeah. leads me to my next question regarding um, how have you guys had to deal with this pandemic and how have you had to realize that there's some uncertain moments that you have to adapt to and how can you plan forwards to deal with these moments? Well, I want to give Mary credit where credit is due. She anticipated this well above uh, in front of the rest of us um, because Mary used to work in public health or still does to a certain degree uh, in public health. Um, literally the day before the lockdown was announced by the government, she was like, we're locking down. And I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, no, it's no, it's coming. We're gonna lock down. And um, we locked it, we literally announced our lockdown the day before the government did um, the first one. And uh, yeah, because of the nature of our business, um, we were really thankful for the government support 
because it made a difference, you know, because we had to shut down. We shut down the first lockdown for two and a half months. Uh, you know, other than some yeah, almost three, almost three. Yeah, you're right. So it was mid March. It was three months. You're right, Mary. It was yeah. mid May to mid June. Mid March. reopened. Sorry, mid March. Thank you. Mid March to mid June. And when we reopened, um, we were at very marginal capacity for almost a month. So yeah. we weren't back yeah. at full capacity for. That's right. Um, you because know. of the framework and the way the framework works in healthcare, it's not an on-off switch for us. You know, we we get we get reduced down as we approach lockdown, and then we're locked out basically, and then we get dribbled back up because it depends where we are in the framework as to what we can do in our clinic. That said, and this gets back to sort of the ethical, the idea of the ethical framework and what something like COVID does is that one of the things that, that and we haven't touched on this yet, Jane, is that one of the things we strive in our business is to create an ethical framework. Because we are fairly unregulated as an industry in Canada, there is a lot of kind of sketchy stuff that goes on out there. And we make it our business to be as ethical as possible in this area of the practice of medicine. That really got tested during COVID because with COVID, technically as a medical clinic, we can be open. That said, a lot of what we do is optional, right? It is not medically necessary. So we took the decision that we're closing because you don't need to be coming to us to do something optional. Even though we are technically allowed under the law to be open, we are closing because you should be at home, you should be not coming, you should not be traveling. That was, that, that was a voluntary hit that we took because we know it was the right thing to do. And so it's it, having to practice what we preach during COVID has been a, a, a real test, a real test of our ethical framework. And you know, I think we've done a good job um sticking to our ethical framework in in terms of that and our clients i will say our patients our clients have been very supportive of that when we've said you know what we're closing and some other clinic is open they could go there they could go and do the treatments that we do at another clinic or travel to toronto and do that or whatever and they don't because they respect the fact that we have their well-being as our primary goal our primary interest is their health and safety and well-being. And even though that's costing us, they understand that. And so they're loyal. And so sticking to our framework and our ethical position has not cost us. Um, we just caught up. So we're back to your original question, Oliver, how does how has COVID affected us? Yeah, we were shut. And then we're going like crazy when we open because we're catching up, right? Our clients are waiting. <laughs> to see us and we have long wait lists and stuff. So we are catching up. Overall, will the year hit us for sure, but it, it not as bad as many other industries, obviously. So we're grateful for that. The other thing I would say, and Jane can speak to this more, is that we've had two shutdowns now. The first one we shut down and we went, what do we do, right? And so we did, you know, and then there was a lot of online education and stuff. So we did a lot of that, like receiving information, do, you know, let's take the opportunity to do all these free educational webinars and things from around the world, whatever. This time in December, we saw it coming well in advance. And we said, okay, there's going to be a shutdown. It's going to be for a while again. What are the projects we need to get done that are better done when the clinic is closed? 
And so we took a much more proactive approach with the second lockdown to go, oh, this is excellent. <laughs> let's, let's do this and this and this and this, you know? And so Jane, especially as business director was like, okay, this is our chance. We're switching all our computer networks. We're getting off Google, we're going to Microsoft. And that's a huge, like, we just can't do that easily when we're actually operational. So this was in some ways, there were little glimmers of helpful things that happened because of COVID. And we were able to take that opportunity to do some of those things. Um, you know, we're going to work in on e-commerce, you know, let's, let's, let's get that project underway while we're in shutdown. Right. So you learn as an entrepreneur, you learn, even with something as weird and unusual as COVID, you learn pretty quickly. Okay. How do I, how do I make lemonade of these lemons? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with everything Mary said. It was, uh, it actually was a bit of a, a reprieve the second time to kind of go okay we're getting a pause you know and what are the things that aren't working and what are the things we really need to fix that we can't fix when the machine is rolling so uh yeah we did get a few and in fact what we did was an analysis of our staffing because we actually also <laughs> we created a, a whole other level of our business um right before the second shutdown happened we literally had two new rooms to add into the, the middle of december they were done and shut down <laughs> So um, what it did though, is give us a chance to, okay, so when these come online, what's it gonna look like from an administrative point of view? What is the, the, the staffing situation gonna be? And we came to the analysis that I said, we need more help. And we actually used the opportunity to find another staff member as well. Um, and, uh, and to, yeah, revamp a lot of our policies and procedures as we're going forward. So yeah, there's been opportunity in the, the downside. And you know, it's what Mary said, you know, I kept saying to everyone like, why are you shut down? I'm like, well, it's crazy out there. If your kid can't go to school, mom or dad shouldn't be going out to get phone times. That's simple. Yeah. It's that simple. You know, and uh, as soon as I put it in that framework, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. So, no, okay. and I will say that we, we have been very, very open about conversing with Wellington Dufferin Public Health throughout the pandemic. A lot of our... Um, I guess the competitors or people that are in business like us are terrified of public health, right? They don't want inspections. They don't want to be looked at carefully, all of that sort of thing. So they don't even want to ask questions of public health for fear of drawing the attention of public health to their business. We're kind of the opposite. We're the ones that are like, so <laughs> health inspectors, what can we do here? And what can we do there and whatever else? And, and they know we're going to call them, right? And then, then we, we're going to blog about that. This is what Wellington Dufferin Wealth Public Health told us. And we put it out there into the world, right? And, and so we tried to be a resource to the rest of our community. Do they listen? Not always, but you know, I mean, uh, our clients listen and read those blogs and understand and, and are grateful for the information. So, cause they don't know, you know how confusing it's been during COVID. So yeah, that's, um, that's part of it as well, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was very insightful to hear how you guys were actually able to be so proactive during the lockdown. I think that a lot of people just see these moments as shutting down, there's nothing to be done. You just gotta wait it out. So. Yeah, it was, that was very insightful. And just as a last question, I always love asking this question just because the answer is always so unique, but what advice would you have for starting entrepreneurs in the medical industry? 
that's a that's a tricky one i mean so the industry obviously when we talk about medical industry this is a pretty wide and huge industry right so it could be anything from personal care like we do through to you know research pharmaceutical you know all, all kinds of stuff long-term care you know it could, it could be all kinds so it's a fairly broad question i would say that as as you probably know oliver as as i know from having gone through medical school is that you know we don't get much business training you should assume you don't know anything because you probably don't you know um and it's interesting even in our industry what we find there are a lot of chains there are a lot of um uh what's what are we, franchises and things like that and when you look at those you will find that it's mbas who are running those businesses not doctors not nurses not not people from education it is people who have business backgrounds so and yet their model is business and so when you mix business and people and the care of people it can be it can sometimes not work very well the problem is is the people who are trained to work with people in in the medical fields or the healthcare fields are not trained in business so i would say if you're interested in entrepreneurship like take a few business courses do some basic a little bit of accounting a little bit of hr you know a, a little bit of just some basic business training what do you think jane i think you're right but i so there's two pieces of it. It's like you look at the businesses out there that you want to model yourself after. Like there's uh, no need to reinvent the wheel. Like even with ours, uh, our business, which is is fairly unique. I when we landed uh, the business in our laps in 2014, I was researching like mad, researching all the other businesses out there that were like mine, like ours, and going, what do I like about that one? What do I not like about that one? What do I want to adopt about this one? What do I not want to adopt about that one? And I would dig into each one of their websites, into their reps, what products they were using, how they were marketing, who they were marketing to, you know, looked at all their social media platforms, looked at all of their educational resources, where their staff came from, how they were educated. And I looked at the models of the, of the businesses that I admired. And I went, what of that can I adopt? And um, that was really, really valuable. Um, and, and there's, um, you know, uh, what is that phrase, you know, um, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah. Now in business, you want to make sure you're imitating someone who's far away. <laughs> so, that's true. That's, so that's true. not in your backyard, right? So I, I would make a point of uh, analyzing businesses in BC, you know, or uh, in, in parts of the US or in Europe that where I was like, okay, so I don't, because I don't want to create something that's next door, right? I want to create something uniquely our own. And I would, I would, I would learn and borrow from all those various places and go, okay, that I want to take all those pieces and now I have all the ingredients for our business. Uh, and now do I how to make those all work together. And then the key to that, um, and I think this is in any business, is relationships. Um, the relationships you build from the beginning come back and serve you over and over again. And I've seen this mistake being made in a lot of other businesses where they blow up relationships. And I'm talking about relationships with your vendors, with the people that supply your products, with, the, with clients, with um, other competitors. 
right? I mean, uh, for the most part, I like to stay in very positive relationship with our direct competitors because um, that's good for me. That's good for the business. It's good for me to know what's going on over there. Um, the ones that I, I don't have a good relationship with, but that's that's not really my fault, you know, because they view us a different way. Like I'm, I believe in worthy competitors. I believe it's healthy, you know. Um, I also believe that um, this is not a game to be won, you know. There's this, you know, tomorrow science Senate, This is an intimate game. We're not out there to go. Ha! We smashed you, you know. Like we're here for the long haul, right? We're we're building towards something greater that we don't even know what it is yet, but we're just building towards the future. Uh, so that means keep your relationship. My relationships with the bookkeepers, with the finance people, with the banks, with everybody, all those relationships, you never know when one of those is gonna come back. And it has happened many times where a positive um, loop has happened because somebody, a client or a rep or somebody has gone, you know what, you guys, there's this grant and there's this thing and I think I'm not the journey forward. And it's because, you know, we've done the same. You know, we've, we've helped other people in other ways. It's very much a, um, a relationship maintenance um, circle that happens. And so I think that's one of the big key things. And even when you're frustrated and angry, you always put yourself in the other person's shoes and go, you know what, they're just trying to get by too. So how do we come to a meeting in the middle? Um, so mediation and relationships, super important. Yeah, I would say also just as a physician, it's important to know your limitations um sometimes sometimes entrepreneurs can be really um and no matter where they're coming from whatever their background but certainly and i think in in healthcare and in medical industries can be a bit overconfident um that they know best and it's important to know when you don't know and you know when you can afford to hire the talent hire the talent <laughs> right hire the people who have the skills that you don't have don't try and do everything yourself um, because I, in the beginning you have to, because you're small and you're making your way, but as soon as you can hire the skills that are necessary. And, and as Jane said, make sure you have good relationship with your, not just your lenders and everybody in the community, but your employer employees as well, mm -hmm. so that you can learn from them the way they are learning from you. Um, because, you know, as much as they say, know a little bit about accounting, know a little bit about marketing and stuff, ultimately, you know, for me, I'm a doctor. I'm not a marketer. So I might have interesting ideas, but I don't have a degree in this. So the sooner I can get to the point where I can hand that over to someone else, the better. You're as an entrepreneur, you're an ideas person, right? You're a visionary. And, uh, the, the, you know, you need to not be micromanaging as soon as you can, I think is an important thing as an entrepreneur um but you know it's it you get it takes time patience to get to that point where you can start to have the help um so you, in the beginning yeah you have to wear many hats you might not be good at it but then you can also get advice and as jane said go look at the competitors look at the success success stories uh because they're doing something right and uh learn from them you know i i agree and don't don't steal from the neighbor steal from someone you know what's there's another series of books that's like that um that has to do with marketing and stuff. It says there are no new ideas. There are only repeats of old ideas. So there's nothing wrong in using an old idea because it worked. So, exactly. Right? You just spin it a little to make it look like your own, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and it will be your own as a result because you put your own spin and your own flavor on it. But the root of what 
you know, good business and good relationships and good management, you know, it's looking around you. It's, it's out there. And like I said, I do, I do read a lot uh, of business books and I do look for guidance wherever I can. Because I think Mary put her key, you know, key thing right there, which is probably a good button for this, is that, you know, coming into this with a certain amount of humility is really important. Um, and being able to say, I don't actually know how to do this. <laughs> so how do I, how do I fill in the gaps? You know, and, and where do I go? And, and who do I invest in? And that's how you get along. Yeah, I mean, throughout this webinar series, it seems like there's a common, um, a common theme of always learning and salvaging relationships. So it was, again, I really enjoyed how you two touched upon that. I, I think that that's something very important in it, being an entrepreneur and all that. So last but not least, I'd like to thank you to Jane and Dr. Pearson for having this conversation with me. I'm sure that you two have been inspired some young, ambitious entrepreneurs throughout this conversation. And now I might have to reach out to my brother and come up with the next big idea <laughs> and start up a business. <laughs> or you could wait 30 years, Oliver. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think 30 years is going to be long enough to salvage this relationship. <laughs> That's funny. But yes, thank yes. you so much, you two. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was, it was helpful. All right. Thank you very much for tuning in, everyone.